0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another comics-loving edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted to be talking on this episode with, uh you said veteran, uh veteran of comics, as am I, been reading them since I was seven years old, comics veteran, uh comics creator Paul Guinan. Paul, thank you for jumping on, and thank you for talking with
1: me. My pleasure, certainly, Jason. I appreciate the, the invite absolutely we, we've been
0: ha- having a nice little pre-game conversation I've often thought about just putting the pre-game parts on like some kind of recording but I never record right away uh I always like to give folks the chance to get settled in but um, some nice conversation about strange new worlds and Picard
1: um so some, some television I've been enjoying very much I, that's what I uh uh grew up on that, that's my childhood jam and in fact actually one of your questions that you sent in the email was um how'd you get started in comics or what's your first memories of comics? And I uh, uh-huh. have to say, I've, I didn't get into it I was like almost born into it. I remember the earliest uh, memory I have of drawing comics is taking a eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper and making my own little tiny little four page comic. And then I would draw Star Trek comics, but not like the adventures of Kirk and Spock that I was seeing as a kid, but I would create my own characters in my own ship. And have them go on adventures, and okay. uh, so 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 Star Trek has been an integral part of my comic thing for a long time. Although I've never actually worked on any Star Trek comics whatsoever, so maybe. I, I would love to see that. I
0: would love to <laughs> see that. And and you've worked in a variety of shared universe material. I mean, there, there's Kronos and your original takes, but uh, mm-hmm. and, and work that you've done for Dark Horse Presents, DHP. And as we, it's styled in places, but you've also worked on uh, things for Alien and Terminator and some of those pieces. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, in light of the new Indiana Jones movie having just come out was Sargasso wow. C, Um so... Uh, right. the, the pirates and indiana jones book that she did uh for yeah. dark horse. Um so you've been looking at my resume. <laughs> well I, I these were things that I that I've read as well. So uh, it's, yeah, yeah for a
1: second there I th- for a second there I thought you were gonna when you were talking about Indiana Jones on top of aliens I thought you were gonna re- refer to uh we did a two-part DHP story Advent and Terminus um that became the basis the uh, for the first aliens versus predator movie i mean obviously yeah. without the predator but the dhp story was about this rich industrialist that gets a team together mm-hmm. goes on an archaeological mission uh and finds out finds these these altars uh that were designed you know to breed aliens and they of course all get killed as as any good alien movie should have for characters happen right, to them right. uh, uh that was interesting because because that was a. Uh, you know playing in the sandbox of these franchises is so much fun and um and we got a lot of leeway on that one uh, again written uh by my partner on in a bennett and uh that was interesting to see these ideas that i had put up on the on the big screen that was kind of fun
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely and um i mean i was a dc person initially oh, but it, it wasn't long before i was straight into dark horse with the things that they were creating and mm-hmm. even the like the batman versus predator stuff i was like oh my gosh this is the two universes that i love oh, yeah. so um uh, dark horse was doing some really cool things in the early 90s and over time bringing in some really interesting licensed content to to share about which was just
1: scary enough for me as a young reader that i could enjoy it <laughs> yeah Absolutely. And and even when they, I mean, that's how they that's the initial success of their company was based on doing these licensed properties. It was a huge hit for them to do these things like Terminator and Predator and Alien. Mm-hmm. But uh mm-hmm. but they really shown when they uh when these creators, albeit you know, famous ones, uh came in and started doing original stuff for the for that company. So like Hellboy and and you know Sin City and and one of my personal favorites, Concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's, that's when, the that's when they really, for me, you know, really, uh, uh, stepped up to the plate, you know, started having their own identity. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And, and, and the first, not the first published work that I did, the first published work I did was with the first comics. I started out, uh, as a staff artist there Mm -hmm. and, um, an early claim to fame was that I worked on the very first manga translation ever in the United States. It was uh, lone wolf and cub nice and, nice. and I so that. i i was uh a production artist in charge of replacing sound effects so i'd have to redraw some of it like a, and i was a good mimic i've always been a, a good mimic of different styles and then and then manipulate it for for a for a western audience we couldn't just flip the pages because then the samurai would all be left-handed <laughs> uh, so that was an interesting challenge and then and then from there because, because because, I knew people. I worked there. Uh, I, I, I got a gig inking Tom Sutton's run at Grimjack. And that was one of my favorite early projects. Yeah. Yeah, and then after that, I, I decided to strike out on my own. And uh, and uh, again, Anand and I um, created this series called Heartbreakers, which Dark Horse not only uh, picked up and ran with, but they invited Anand and myself to move out from Chicago, where First Comics was, <laughs> to Portland, Oregon, where Dark Horse was. And that's how we wound up here in, in Portland is uh is doing work for them. And then and then after, you know, like you know, you go through these phases after after I ran through uh Dark Horse, you know, doing doing different kinds of work for hire and creator owned material. I was then given this great privilege. You mentioned this earlier, Kronos creating mm-hmm. a character mm-hmm. for the DCU. I mean, as a DC kid, I mean it doesn't get better than that. I mean, that's that's the pinnacle of, of any any creator's dream is to is to be able to do something like that. And because I've always been interested in um, history, time travel, and Aztecs, I've always had an interest in Aztecs. I, Chronus became uh, an Aztec time traveler, and uh, okay. and and I got a lot of creative freedom from uh, my editor Archie Goodwin, who's legendary in this business.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I was so honored to work with him, best editor I've ever worked with in comics. And then, unfortunately, during the series, he passed away. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, I was drawing the cover of a Chronos issue in which the new Chronos, the '90s Chronos, had um, was visiting the grave of the '60s Silver Age Chronos. Mm-hmm. And I was drawing this tombstone, and I get the call, and it was just that was. Pretty upsetting. I had known him for years. He was a good friend. Yeah. It was a weird, weird moment. And then after that, um, without him in at the helm, uh, the title kind of fell apart. And then and then from there, I mean, where does a guy who grew up in DC comics who got to create a DC character for the DCU, not like you know, Else Worlds or you know, Vertigo or something?
0: Mm-hmm, where do you go mm-hmm. from
1: where do you go from up?
0: <laughs> so <laughs> so
1: from then, from then i I just I've just been doing creator own stuff, mostly uh, with Anina and uh, I'm never looking back. So, so very happy to um, have had such a long career.
0: Yeah. Well, and when you get to play in the sandboxes that you want to play in Hmm. and uh, contribute to the field that way, um, very much so. yeah, Yeah. You, you then get the additional benefit and the, um, rewarding nature of creating your own stories, having that creative freedom, and mm-hmm. getting
1: to explore stories in the way that you want to. Right, right. Actually, I even got to the point where my explorations—I pushed. I try to push even out outside the traditional formats of comics, you know, panels and word balloons. And uh, so, I created this robot character called Boilerplate,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I started doing a graphic novel about it. And I realized, no, this needs more than that it needs to be absolutely believable and uh so then i started manipulating photoshop images i built a figurine a little robot figurine
0: yes, photoshop-
1: yeah. photoshopped it into these into these historical images again on came on board to do the text for the book and then we put out this coffee table book called boilerplate which was uh technically it's, it has graphics in it and mm-hmm. it isn't novels I mean, but it's not it's far from a graphic novel it was more like a picture book columns of text with photos and and, and paintings and very similar to the kind of textbooks that i loved as a kid or, or actually the those time life mm-hmm. series of histories history books that i really enjoyed very much as a kid so mm-hmm. then that's so that's that's where that took me for almost a decade i was i was doing those kinds of projects those, then, those were such a staple of
0: visiting people and being like, oh, what do you have on your coffee table? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I interrupted. Yeah, absolutely, go, go absolutely. <laughs> no, no. And now and now people have a boilerplate on their coffee table. I couldn't be more honored. Mm-hmm. But uh, but after you know after about a decade of that, I just you know comics going all the way as I've mentioned. You know, it's my first childhood love of you know in terms of creating. So I went back uh, just recently, uh, uh, 2016. I started to. Um, do a serious research dive into a new project, uh, which I'm working on now. Uh, And again, it goes back to my love of, uh, of Mexican culture Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
1: Mexican history. And I was thinking as a science fiction fan, I was thinking about a story, you know, that's has a science fiction quality to it. And I recalled that, uh, that um, the first contact between the Americas and Europe was as close as we get uh, in real life to an alien first contact because yeah. as we know you know Asia and Africa and Europe they all knew about each other they're all you know benefited from each other like Asia and the East gave Europe all this technology the wheel and looms and things and uh, paper uh, and uh, the Americas came up all by themselves so here here, here, late very late in the scheme of human history in 1500s here comes these these Spaniards and they arrive in this world that is kind of surreal looking. I mean, from their perspective, certainly. Uh, and colorful, all these murals, all these textile patterns, all this gorgeous stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's very it has very much of a science fiction feel. And so to, to go back to my other childhood fascination, Star Trek, the way I would describe it to Star Trek fans is, what if a starship from the Mirror Mirror universe shows up at the Klingon homeworld before it's developed warp drive.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's the
1: way I think of the Cortez Montezuma meet is is on like science fiction terms like that. So that's that's my current uh, my current project that I've been working on for the last few years and will probably be working on for the rest of this decade. It's a, it's a big epic multi-hundred page Magnum opus. It's my you know I've been I've been doing this for so long I figured out well, I've got about, uh, you know, I've only got so much, I've got less time ahead of me than I have behind me. So I, mm-hmm. I should probably do the the great work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and um, I love the mingling of science fiction, history, mm-hmm. um, comics, mm-hmm. and, and all of those elements that you bring together. And I think that you know, we, we sort of have the, the places that comics typically go,
1: but I think when you infuse those elements in, it uh, makes for something rich and new. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like, to me, like even just doing historical fiction without in, in interjecting it with any supernatural or supernatural material, Mm -hmm. that itself is like a whole like world building transporting adventure where you, you, you know, you're not only leaving your your, your place, wherever it is, your time, time and space, you know, you're going to a completely other place. And it's, it's just, it's so much fun for me to, uh, to be able to uh, take my love of history and combine it with, with fantasy and science fiction and, and uh, unusual, weird, weird stuff. So. <laughs> love that, Love it.
0: Um, any other kind of landmarks along the career? that you want to mention folks that have been particularly kind experiences that have been particularly generative mm-hmm. before we talk about um, those connection points that readers can have with you.
1: Yeah. Well, there's in terms of, well, I mean, I kind of ran through my, the, the big, the big things uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Heartbreakers, Grimjack, Kronos, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, my current project, Aztec Empire. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the people that you meet along the way, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's, um, it can, it can be derailing. Like there's, like, there's been situations, certain companies and stuff who have had, let's just say, uh, toxic personnel. Uh, sure. uh and then as in
0: all types of
1: work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, but then there's, you know, these, these just people, these sweethearts that you meet. And, and, uh, I mean, like one of them was Archie Goodman. I'm sorry. He's no longer with us anymore, but, uh. But uh, when I'm after, you know, living here in Portland for a while, uh, you, you know, you develop, you network with the local comic shops and the, and the people who who live here. And at a certain point, uh, some friends and I just decided, hey, you know, let's uh, instead of all of us working at home, uh, let's set up a studio.
0: Okay.
1: And so. Uh, so uh, good friend, Steve Lieber. And my best friend on the planet Earth, David Hahn, mm-hmm. and a few other people, some great, just really just not just talented, but just good people, you know, like Ron Randall, Pete yeah. Woods. Um, uh, we all got together to to um, found this thing, which at the time was called Mercury, Mercury Studios, Messenger, Messenger of the Gods, the patron yeah. saint of artists. And uh, at a, at a, after a certain point, we uh, we wound up changing the name. Um to uh, it's the current name is Helioscope Helioscope Studio. Mm-hmm. And uh it's been, geez, like t- two decades now. and the people that I've met through that studio, because you know, we'll have new members come in, some members will leave. um it's just it's we've had a really excellent streak of of just really great talented people who have worked there and continue to work there. Like there's this, and, and some of my favorites are like, you know, the husband and wife teams because, uh, Mm. (laughs) because of my own, you know, backstory with uh, Ananda Bennett, uh, my current partner. And uh, so like, I love, I love the idea that like the bandette people, Colleen Coover and Paul Tobin, you know, are are, are from that studio or, um, or, uh, you know, um, uh, geez, I do brain seizure. Uh, um, it's all good. It's all good. Having, I'm having a Mitch McConnell.
0: <laughs> um
1: I, I like that. That's good reference. Good <laughs> reference. <laughs> but uh uh oh right there's uh uh Ron Chan and Cat Ferris are just are, are sort of kind of under the radar talent. I mean they've they've yeah. done some things like you know some plants versus zombies or, or forget the titles. Um uh Kat does this wonderful book called The Ghoul Next Door. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's uh and, and then and then we have like just these super talents like uh Jonathan Case, uh mm-hmm. who's just came out with this book, just gorgeous thing called um, uh little monarchs about uh mm-hmm. migration mm-hmm. of butterflies, and it's just stunning. Yeah.
0: And, then, and then
1: and uh and then this and then I talk about under the radar. We have this guy in our studio, his name is Jack Cole, and he his work is like what if Mike Caluda. And Mobius had a baby. I mean, <laughs> nice. it's, it's, it's stunning stuff. So so I'm just really honored and privileged to, to be able to share space, you know, and friendships with these amazing, amazing talents. Very
0: cool. Very cool. Yeah, I had um, Jonathan Case on a few months back because mm-hmm. one of my colleagues, uh, a friend of mine that teaches at App State, used Little Monarchs in a class they were teaching. Nice. and uh yeah just just adore his stuff um back before little monarchs and of course currently um and then Colin bunn is going to be on a an yes. upcoming episode okay. as well um mm-hmm. from ghoul next door so yeah right yeah uh,
1: it's all it's fantastic i'm just really uh, really excited to to it's a, it's a great time for, you know, comics. It's, uh, uh, like, mm-hmm. like one of the questions you were asking in the email is, is that what, what, what do you hope to see for comics? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I haven't seen
1: it. I mean, it's, it's, it's here. It's now. I mean, like, like, uh, as a kid, um, I, I remember that I went through a phase where I went through my superhero thing. My DC thing was particularly interested in all the weird Kirby stuff, like Commandy and the demon and new worlds and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I stepped away from that because I, I thought it was kind of limiting because I, I personally didn't want to draw superhero comics in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so so when I saw the independent movement kick in in the in the 80s and 90s, uh, that drew me back in, like specifically the Howard Chakins American flag yeah. It showed me, oh wow, this is this is the potential of comics. Here it is right here in front of me. And then since then, in the just last couple decades, we've had, an explosion of like biographical comics historical comics uh comics about science
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know uh, all kinds of wonderful things and and the formats you know because of the internet now you have like these weird vertical formats like on webtoons or like the the format that i'm using for my webcomic the empire is a landscape instead of mm-hmm. a portrait and so you have all of these uh, not, not just um genre uh explorations but also format explorations mm-hmm. and uh so like I can't even keep up there's just too okay. much too much good stuff out there for me to even uh keep track of
0: but, and it keeps me busy as somebody that recommends books in the medium but also somebody that tries to you know feature authors and artists and things um uh, there's a wide range of work out there to
1: explore so uh yeah it's a good time to be a reader oh sure. yeah very much so <laughs> no, no, my okay. shelves are filled up though i've got to figure out some other <laughs> some other situation i have yeah. to maybe do some rotating i have to, get, have to get rid of some of my older books i'm sorry sorry guys but we need to oh make yeah. rid- <laughs> i'm
0: sure they they there's a good home out there somewhere Absolutely. um to to pass on the love but yeah i have have a couple of stacks of my own um I also want to mention that you have a website. I'm not sure where, where your best social media spaces are.
1: Oh, no, um, well, yeah, the, but... the website. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, BigRedHair.com. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when you go there, uh, the homepage uh, right there, is uh, features the Aztec Empire uh, webcomic I'm working on. I have about eight pages, uh, eight pages to Oh, I hope not. I have eight episodes uh, up so far. Each episode is about 10 pages with five pages of illustrated endnotes, because it's very important for me to everybody understand that what you're reading is as nonfiction as is possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, every page uh, has, I give, you know, the reference materials, the 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 source where, where this information comes from. And uh, I, my hope is for it to be, uh, not only just, you know, collected read you know, physical format, which hopefully I'm gonna get the volume first volume out maybe next year right. is, uh, I would like for it very much to go into uh, classes and curriculums, uh, yeah. that teach, um, you know, uh, American studies, uh, mm-hmm. pre-Columbian Mesoamerican studies. And, and I've, I've, uh, I've been very honored to have been um, accepted by the Mexican community. I, for two years, I did outreach and uh, made relationships and connections. And then spent. Uh, and then Anna and I went down to Mexico City for a couple weeks as a research trip and visited all the all the uh, locations, all the archaeological locations, and met with all of our uh, consultants on the series. And I, I don't just have you know consultants uh for the Aztec side of the story. I also have a, a guy in Spain who's consulting on, like, you know, the kind of Spanish armor that was used by conquistadors and stuff like that. So some of the research is actually takes more time than producing the work wow. itself. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you can read it at bigredhair.com. And it, there's no paywall, it's absolutely free. But I do have a Patreon. Uh, so I would encourage Anybody that that likes the likes what I'm doing to uh, to contribute just a buck a month. I, I you can access most of my posts. You can access for one dollar a month, mm-hmm. and uh, that really helps and goes a long way to making sure that I can continue to do this. So, and then aside from that, you know the social media current social media situation is like it's a little so messy. Fragmented. <laughs> it's fragmented. So yeah, you can like you know can you can do searches on your favorite social media for, you know, Aztec Empire, like I'm obviously I'm on Twitter. It has its own account. I'm still going to call it Twitter. Uh, Aztec Empire. And then, uh, Aztec Empire 1520, I believe is the Twitter account. And then for the other ones, it's under my name. So you just look up Paul Guinan and you'll find me on, um, blue sky and threads and, and, you know, and then of course, I've been on Facebook forever, so you'll you'll find not only my page on Facebook, but you'll find an Aztec Empire page as well. You know, like a separate page there. So, so even though I've you know I've, even though I don't post a lot, I have a lot of way, a lot of avenues, a lot of ways you can get in touch and and uh, and uh, comment or question. You know what I'm up to.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. And as someone who is um, part of the education community, I will. Share the website with folks out there that are history teachers as well as Mm. I'm an English teacher, but American literature tends to be a big part of that. So glad to share about your your work with younger readers as well and educators.
1: Yeah, the only the only issue is is that it's it's um, there's a couple of scenes, violence scenes. There's a scene of sexual assault. I mean, it's the story is pretty rough. So um, as as a historical story would be. Right, so I would say it's like PG-13. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, it's already being used by a few uh, professors in, in class. And Actually, one of my personal honor to me is, is that the leading historian on the subject of Aztec history, especially Cortez Montezuma, uh, is this man named uh, Matthew Restall who's a professor of Latin studies at Penn University. Mm-hmm. And he uses it in his classroom. And it's just like that's yeah so work
0: work well spent uh, right right to build that authenticity
1: yeah right for comic book fans that would be like jack kirby saying uh read my comic you know like i mean read read my comic i would just like what
0: Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm (laughs) love it love it Uh, well anything that we've missed in the interview that you want to make sure to mention uh before we close out
1: um i you know i'm I'm sure after we close out i'll I'll think of something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can always
0: edit things back in too. Oh
1: no, um, that's that, that's okay. We <laughs> cover we cover the bases, and and I know that this is you know not meant to be like a two hour you know podcast. That's true. Or, that's know, true. Keep it uh, succinct. I think I've I think I've covered what I can. So just visit visit me at uh, Big Red Hair. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and glad to talk again anytime. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it.